It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. From the Fox News Podcast Network, I'm Dana Perino, and everything will be okay. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Everything Will Be Okay. This week I'm joined by an exceptional father and one of my remarkable co-hosts of The Five, who also happens to hold the secret to saving the world. Jesse Waters is host of Jesse Waters Primetime. A political commentator, a New York Times bestselling author. Essentially, he's a man of many titles, but one title I know he's proud to have is Father. While he may have shared more than a little about his life in his book, I'm thrilled to have him join me today to talk about himself, his show, and his experiences, and also what he loves most about being a dad and how he approaches that. He also talks about the most important quality he learned as he came up through the ranks and started primetime. Jesse Waters, I have no plan for this. Me neither. Oh, okay, good. So that's going to be fun. I uh, First of all, the last time we did a podcast, I think it might have been your first podcast. I think it, it may have been. It was, for your, uh, it was when your book came out, How I Saved the World, which is excellent. Thank you. And you said, I love podcasts. <laughs> um, but since, yes. there's been a lot of change in your life. Has there? Yeah. Well, you're, first of all, your son had just been born. Okay. And then you came prime time. I did. It's been a wild year. So what's it, what's, it, what's it been like as you look back? What's it been, six months or so? I think we launched primetime at the end of January. Okay. And then I had back surgery mm-hmm. in May. So that kind of was a little bit of a, a bump in the road. Yeah, th- I've, that was so upsetting for me. Aww, <laughs> no, so I mean, sweet. but for everyone, but it was it was just kind of shocking to have somebody that you see every day and you enjoy seeing every day and you become like family when you work here at Fox. And then all of a sudden it's like, wait, he's out? What do you mean he's out? He's like, he's back. I was like, oh, okay, he'll be back tomorrow. And it just kept, um, I guess it, it was probably kind of humbling. Oh, it was humbling. Yeah. You realize that health is the number one thing in your life. And you realize without good health, you can't even help your wife. You can't pick up your son. Mm-hmm. You can't do anything. So I had to rebuild my body. Wow. And now I'm in physical therapy. I like my physical therapist. He tortured me today. (laughs) This brilliant, short, little Asian guy. And he contorts my body like an acrobat as I scream. (laughs) And he says, it's good pain. Mm -hmm. And uh, I love him. And uh, we're going to do that for the next six weeks. And then I'm going to be fully healthy and I can golf. Oh, okay. So that's the goal. Well, he said I could bungee jump, actually, my surgeon. He's joking? No. He said, once you're healed, you can oh, bungee you can jump, you can ski, wow. you can do anything you want. Okay. So, okay. We'll both check back in. Yeah, we'll, we'll do a podcast when I bungee jump. <laughs> when you see. Um, so, the other day, you said that when you started primetime, before you did, that you called a lot of people. Yeah. And you asked some advice. And one of the best pieces of advice you had, or that many people said, make sure you listen. That's a good principle of everything will be okay. Um, What were some of the other pieces of advice you got that might be worth passing on to folks listening to this? Well, Britt Hume was the one that I recall who told me to listen because he says when you're hosting, a lot of the hosts use that time 
during the interview to say what their opinion is. Mm-hmm. And instead of asking sharp questions to elicit smart responses from the guests, you just blabber and then the guest blabbers and you don't really get anywhere. So he told me to listen. And then he also told me not to sleep with my secretary. Oh, that's a good advice. That, <laughs> he told me a few pitfalls. That was the main pitfall. And I remember I read the James Patterson autobiography and he said the key to his success was listening. Hmm. And Tucker told me to take a steam. That was his a bath, advice. Like a steam, like a shower? Like a, like a schwitz, Dana. Oh, like a sauna. Well, yeah, okay. He said, your mental health is really important when you're in this job. Yeah. And if you have a choice between preparing for the show or getting your mental health in line, you really got to get your mental health in line, whether mm-hmm. that's taking a steam, whether that's exercising or mm-hmm. hunting or doing whatever you can to kind of take your mind off the show hmm. or just take your mind off the chaos. He said, you just want to clear your mind and have a really simplistic view of your show. Just focus on the show. Don't look at television. He says, don't look at social media and hang out with your family, go Mm -hmm. outside. And that was good advice. So uh, when I first started uh, doing uh, anchoring uh, and doing a daily briefing show, Sean Hannity gave me a piece of advice that he got from Roger Ailes. What? (laughs) Um, And excuse my language, we could beep it or I can like try to like not say the word but so Hannity um, when he first started you'll call like he wasn't an experienced anchor on television and he had done radio for a while and he was nervous about his first show so Roger said well why don't you come on in and we'll practice a little bit so pretend I'm the guest and hit me with some questions and he said that he was winding up the winding up to ask the question and he was what Britt was saying, basically like giving his opinion or leading the witness basically. And that Roger said, Sean, just ask the question. (laughs) (laughs) And I've always remembered that because sometimes I feel myself doing that because I have opinions. I have a lot of things I want to say and I've experienced when I'm just like, how could they possibly say this? And I am trying to get someone to say what I would say. And every time I start to do that, I remember what Sean said. And it's like a sharp stick in the back. Like, Oh, don't do that. Yeah, Sean gave me also good advice uh, about investing. Oh, (laughs) he's he's a good one to ask. Sean said, uh, just don't get fired. He Mm -hmm. said, just keep staying in the game as long as you possibly can. Keep signing contracts and pay attention to what gets people fired. And don't do that. Don't do that. And that was good advice. O'Reilly told me the question thing. Um, and he had told me that before, before I called him, before I went on primetime, when I used to go out into the field and, yeah. and confront people or even just do those MOSs on the streets with weirdos. He said, make your questions just to the point and sharp and click quick. Yeah. So five seconds. Why'd you do that? Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that? Mm-hmm. But that's not the case. Why would you say that? Just like that. And that basically puts the interviewee on their toes a little bit and really makes them think quickly. And sometimes that's when you get the awkward pauses or the stammering, Mm -hmm. because when you're giving this 30 second wind up question, it gives the interviewee time to prepare. I think it's one of the reasons I like watching your show is that um, I don't know what the next question is going to be. Well, sometimes I can, I'm like, Oh, I'm reading your eyes. I'm like, Oh, I know exactly what what he's (laughs) thinking. But um, I think that's one of the great things. And it's a, it's wonderful to see how successful it is. Uh, Something we talk about on this podcast a lot is just about um, how to, how to be a good manager or how to be a good employee to help your manager or how you're going to get ahead. And since your team uh, is on the same floor where my office is, 
I observe them a lot, back and forth all day long. And they are a happy crew. <laughs> so what's that about? Well, they're all 25. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> and they don't know any better. So they're like a puppy dog. I read a book. It's about how to win friends and influence people. Yeah, a good book. I read a bunch of those Dale Carnegie mm-hmm. books. Read yep. several, and I was doing a lot of self help reading before I launched yes. Prime Time. And one of the things they talk about is management and how to be a team leader. And so when I first joined the show at seven, I just started buying the staff things. <laughs> I started, started buying them lunch every day. I started. I bought them all those Roback shirts mm-hmm. and. I thought that would be a good way to build camaraderie and and show that I was grateful for all of their work. And I still need to work on that. They haven't fed them in a couple months. I I need to get back to buying But you do fun things like there's a list right now. And is this a, I don't know why you have this list of everyone's favorite song of the summer. I didn't initiate that. Okay. And I think my executive producer, Brian Tully, is pretty good at team building exercises. And I believe they do drinks. Mm-hmm. Which is something we used to do, or I used O'Reilly. to do when yeah. I was back on the factor. You do staff drinks. Well, I, don't I think mean, they do you that were on much the factor anymore. for a long time, and th- those friendships were really forged in fire. Oh yeah, and that's how I feel about my people at the White House. Like all those, all those days and nights, even the weekends. Right, we all worked so hard, and it's a small team. It's like SEAL team training. Yes, <laughs> right. When you kind <laughs> of <laughs> when you go and you suffer together, and you mm-hmm. go through something that crazy together, that you really form good bonds. And I know you guys get together. Uh, once a year or something like that. Don't you guys have these little yeah. bush summits? Yeah, yeah. And and there's there's like there's regional ones and things like that. Um, I actually, even beyond getting together, I actually still talk to a lot of them every day. So do I. So I have like there's different little text threads, and there's my econ people Ooh. that I can go to and like, what does this mean? The Fed and the seventy five basis points. Help me. What does this mean? Um, then there's another group. And we just talk about whatever. They're really into the whole Saudi Arabia golf thing right now. And oh, yeah. I don't really have an opinion. I just am watching, you know, watching and observing. Um, and then you realize that you look back that you might might not necessarily remember anything work related that happened, but you all grow up together. You did. And then you get married. You have children. And I did want to ask you about that. Um, I, I, I admire you for many reasons. Um, your wit, of course. Oh, stop! Uh, your intelligence, laying it and, on and, thick. And, but, but when I read the book, I was like, "This is so smart." I hope people read this because it's interesting and funny. And then it's like, "Wow, that is like super smart." The way that you lay out the arguments and, and from your perspective, that it's all and it's all based in fact, and it's terrific. Um, but I really admire you as a dad, and uh. especially raising two girls who are now uh, ten, nine or yeah, 10, 10. Um, twins. And I appreciate how you recognize that they each are individuals, even though they're twins. I don't think that's always easy for people. Well, one of them is very into athletics Mm -hmm. and she's been like that for a very long time. So we bonded early playing catch or Mm -hmm. doing lacrosse or baseball or soccer, whatever. If there's a ball involved, Eliana loves it. Um, Sophie and I didn't have that bond initially because she wasn't into sports as much. So I had to find different ways for Sophie and I to bond. And and so I would make it a point because when you're a father of twins, a lot of times you do things with the twins together. So there's not a lot of one-on-one time. So I'd make an effort to take Sophie to an amusement park together, mm-hmm. or we'd do things like that together, walk the dog together, uh, mm-hmm. maybe go shopping together. Play dolls? No. <laughs> well, she does like the color. And I got to tell you, Dana. She's good. If you, you probably haven't done this since you were a little baby, but I found myself a couple weekends ago just taking a blank piece of paper mm-hmm. with some crayons and just sitting in silence with 
Sophie mm-hmm. and just coloring. Nice. And it's really relaxing. Mm-hmm. It's very off brand for me to admit that, but um, I enjoyed it. Uh, it's not like a Hunter Biden thing. I actually enjoyed it. <laughs> um, well, but you could maybe sell them. As Sean said, keep send, sell, um, signing contracts. Yes, exactly. And, you know, we did? did that sketch of Paul Pelosi, who, uh, yeah. you know, we couldn't get the mugshot for two weeks. So we had one of the um, producers put together a, a sketch uh, of what the mugshot would look like. <laughs> and we put it on there for two weeks until we got the mugshot. <laughs> and they want me to auction off the fake mugshot now. So we might be doing that on prime time. And That's if you want to bid we'll, for charity, we're going to donate it to mothers against drunk driving because they have not said anything about they the haven't arrest yet. So how did your experience doing um, the on the road work for O'Reilly inform how you put together your show today or how you, assign things, the story choice that you're looking for? Oh, God, that's such a deep question, Sorry. Dana. <laughs> I learned everything from the factor as a producer, mm-hmm. not just being on the field, but I used, to, I used to book cars for Kelly and Conway. Wow. And I used to pre-interview mm-hmm. Charles Krauthammer. It makes such a difference because then you know everything. That's like me. I used to get coffee for the congressman. And right. then, you know, you work your way up. You do If you do all of it, I used to give capital tours. Yeah, but, appropriate ones. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to be brought in to testify? No. Nope, okay, nope, good. Nope. I used to make up things about, you know, the paintings <laughs> and things like that. So my eye is always on the screen because video is so important because it's a visual medium. It's so really I, something I had to learn to appreciate because I didn't as much for me. It was the words. Right. It's not as important. Right. Um, so oh, I mean, the, it's important, but it's very important. But there's a lot of key important things that you got to mix together. Because oftentimes I come in and you're, when I get home, um, it's usually like six forty-five or so. I take the makeup off, everything. And when I come in, the TV is on, but it's on mute. So when I first see your show, it's actually the way Roger Ailes used to watch TV, as right. I understand it, which was with no sound. Right. And he would be able to judge how talented a host was by watching the host with the mute button on. And I'm very obsessed with the banners. For those of mm-hmm. you who don't know, the lower mm-hmm. thirds, you know, you read the screens because that's what your eyes do the first thing you change the channel. What is the lower third read on the screen? So I hate when the producers make it a two-liner. Mm-hmm. I like it a big, bold one-liner, like a New York Post headline. I just mm-hmm. think it's easier to see. Mm-hmm. And I like it to be as provocative as possible, like a New York Post headline. Mm-hmm. So we're basically just trying to keep the show fast-paced um, and not try to do what every other show is doing, which is tough. And you yeah. know how tough that is because there's a limited amount of news it's interesting, each day. Like, so when I did the 2 o'clock show, it did feel tough. It was certainly tough. Being at 9 to 11 a.m., it's a little bit easier. You have a great opportunity at 9 to 11 yes, because we do. you get, the, as they say, the first bite of the apple. We do. Is that a phrase people say? That's a, that's a good phrase. Right. It is. More to come right after this. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Stay on top of the latest news and information from Fox News. Listen and download the Fox News Hourly Update on your time. The trending stories you need anytime you want it. Listen and download now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. So, hey, we asked um, our fans, or people that follow me, I don't know if they're fans, um, some questions. There's some good ones here. We could do a lightning round. Do it. We got some time. We got some time. All right. Um, This is a good one. What does your mom think about how the Biden administration is handling all of these crises? Gas prices, border, baby formula, crime, etc. She does not defend the Biden administration. And that, I think that's telling. Yep. But what she does do is attack me. And, <laughs> you know, this January 6th stuff, you know, 
I remember watching January 6th happen in real time from my apartment. We were still in vans mm-hmm. because of COVID, and we were off I that anchored day. it live at 2 o'clock. You're crazy. I mean, I don't yeah. know how you did that, but it, it we so were supposed upsetting. to go on at 5. They ended up bumping mm-hmm. us for special report live. Mm-hmm. So I watched, and I remember texting my mom how terrible it was because I hated watching, and I knew how bad it was, and I didn't like what I saw, and I knew what, how it was going to be exploited. And then when I get on television a year and a half later— while the country's falling apart, energy, crime, and I try to say this should not be a priority right now. And my mom, it drives her crazy. That's great. And she thinks I'm downplaying January 6th. <laughs> so she does not do a lot of fending, as I said, but she does a lot of attacking. It seems to me that there's most Democrats um, and even the media now, the, me- the nobody's defending Joe Biden. I just read a piece today um, by Mark Leibovich in the Atlantic, and the headline is Biden should not run again in 2024. Right. And now they're making all these the reasons why, like you did your duty, you did what we needed you to do, but now we, now you have to go. Right. He was the Trump killer. Yeah. And now he's useless. You can defend in the 40s. You can't defend in no, the 30s. You can't. And, and it could get worse. It will. And it, yeah, likely will. All right. Um, what was your favorite man on the street interview you ever did? Or what was your favorite story assignment? I got to get the book and see some of this. Well, Hawaii, that was such a junket. <laughs> <laughs> Bill sent me to Hawaii to find out Obama's roots, and so I went and talked to some of his private school classmates and walked around his old stomping grounds, and that was just beautiful. It's the most beautiful state I've ever been to. Also, Big Sur mm-hmm. in California was one of the That's most beautiful landscapes I've ever did you, observed. Did you watch Big Little Lies? No. It's a series. You and I would like it. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's based there. Yeah. So, so the scenery is unbelievable. As I learned, I was supposed to pitch great places to travel yes. as story ideas. And it took me a while to figure that out. For a while, I was being sent to Vermont in the winter and then Texas in the summer. And then I figured right. out what to do and what not to do. And then it became much easier. It's like Mark Meredith. He has the best assignments. Every time he pops up on the screen, I'm like, oh, now he's in Charleston. Of course he is. <laughs> like, how does he get these great things? Yeah. Um, when Jesse asked to hold his hand. Who blushes the most? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I did a fake hold my hand. Remember the other day I said, Dana, I got to tell you my problem with women. (laughs) Hold my hand. That was a pump fake, but uh, it's worked well. And you know, you don't often squeeze it, Dana. You let me go. No, I, I'm ready. The other day, the other day, Greg looked at me like, "Mm, I wouldn't if I were you. (laughs) Um, If you were on death row, what would be your last meal? Uh, Probably surf and turf. And ice cream. I don't. I don't understand the, the mixing of the surf and the turf. I think that's actually that. That just sounds not good. That's because you're from Colorado or Wyoming, wherever yeah. you're from. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you don't mix the turf with the surf. You don't need a lot of seafood, probably. I don't. I actually don't like. I wish I did. I don't like it. And you don't swim in the ocean that much. I'm just. I'm. T- I'm I respect what's under there. <laughs> do you get in? It's so cold. Do I get in? Of course you I do. get in the ocean. All And swim? Yes, I swim. Wow. I, I surf. I don't actually surf. I body surf. Does your physical therapist say you can do that? He said I can wade in and submerge. He doesn't want me thrashing around. <laughs> um, did you have a childhood nickname? Uh, Dirty Waters. Oh, um, God. <laughs> well, that was a football uh, <laughs> nickname. Wrong Way Waters also is a football nickname. Um this person says, happy fa- early Father's Day to you, Jesse. I-, I know you're an awesome dad. What is the biggest joy about fatherhood and the biggest challenge? The challenge, logistics. Uh, I'm divorced, so mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of transportation involved. Mm-hmm. So that is not traffic. always easy. And traffic, you know how I feel about traffic. I hate Anna. traffic. 
I hate traffic more than you. And uh, the, probably the joy of it is watching them do new things, like their first roller coaster, uh, Jesse Jr.'s first bite of chocolate. Oh, what was um, that like? Ellie's first golf lesson. Uh, the cho- I mean, what do you think? I can't imagine. Ecstasy. <laughs> <laughs> was he like, give me more of that? Yeah, and then they get addicted, and then they get a sugar high, and then they crash around. Is he just growing like crazy? Yeah, I mean, last week to this week, he really started to listen to what I said. Oh. And that was a big milestone, because for a while, especially as a guy, but as a father, without the verbal communication, it's really hard to relate mm-hmm. a lot of the times with a baby as a guy. Oh, interesting. So, but once they start talking and listening, then it's like, oh, we're good. Yeah. You can hear what I'm saying. He's super cute. Yeah. Um, when will Jesse Jr. make another appearance on The Five? Well, I hadn't thought about that, but um, you know, <laughs> due to popular demand, uh, we might have to bring them on. Yeah, these about days. to do something like that. Um, if you could have dinner with anyone dead or alive, who would it be? Uh, dead or alive? Well, the Trump dinner was pretty fun. I had That's a, a great few story. dinners with Trump. And he's just the master of ceremonies, you know, and, and you just listen and you laugh and he mm-hmm. makes you feel really comfortable. I mean, I'm sure W was the same yeah. way. Yeah. And uh, those people with big personalities, they're just great dinner yeah. companions. Yeah. And the stories. Oh, the stories. And they go on forever. I mean, they just have stories. About- One of my favorite memories was we were we were on the trip. Like it was weird. We went from D.C. to Iraq to Australia and then stopped in Hawaii for fuel and then back. So we did around the world. And um at one point, from like Diego, Diego Garcia, is that what it's called in the mm-hmm. middle of the, Yeah, we refuel. Mm-hmm. Um, the doctor, Dr. Tubb, said to everybody, I recommend not sleeping on this leg to Australia so that when you get there, you, your time clock would be more likely to want to sleep at that point. So 43 put on a switch, you know, he comes into the conference room and Condi was there and he said, Condi. Why don't you give us a lecture on Middle East peace? <laughs> but she, he was kind of joking, but then they talked for about an hour and a half. And we just sat and listened. I was like, I just, I learned so much. Because you're listening. Isn't that the key to life? It's so key. It's one of yeah. the, actually the problems that I think that um, Corinne Jean-Pierre has at the White House. Um, she doesn't have the experience that Jen Psaki had right. at the State Department. Um, and also Jen Psaki might have known Biden a little bit when he was vice president, maybe. A little bit, I don't know. But she knew Obama very well. Okay, so you have that interaction with somebody. Then their election or their campaign, as we know, Biden was isolated. Right. He was in his basement. And so she wasn't on the she wasn't really considered to be somebody that was a close Biden confidant. You know, Simone Sanders was the likely person to get that job. So she comes on board and she's able to jump in and she's doing things. But the the White House is so COVID crazy with the rules. Yeah. I don't think that they have any real interaction with him. They're not sitting down listening to an hour and a half of Middle East peace talk. They're not just around observing him, like how he talks about random news of the day. And if you don't have that kind of personal connection, you can't speak on someone's behalf. And I think that the COVID stuff for them is one of the problems. Well, everybody has gotten COVID now that Fauci has gotten COVID. So Biden is the last person in the United States to, to have get COVID. Get, gotten COVID. He's got to get it soon. Just get it Do over with. Do you think with. maybe he had it, though? If they if he had it and they didn't tell us, that's a huge scandal. That would be huge. huge maybe you could scandal. FOIA that. <laughs> I'm one for one on FOIAs. I'm hot, Dana. I think it's pretty good. Um, a couple more questions here. If DeSantis ran for president, who do you think would be the best VP? I love DeSantis. Um, he's so competent. He's so As competent. Got right? a great record. Not afraid of the media. Not afraid. And um, you know, doesn't have the 
problems that Trump has with flamboyance. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I love the Trump flamboyance. Don't get me wrong. It's <laughs> highly entertaining, but it will also get him in trouble. Um, but if he runs and, and Trump doesn't run, then I think he it's it's his nomination. And would he try to balance the ticket? I think you go with someone young, like you him. How, you trust? how old is he? He doesn't seem he's that like, old to me. He's in his fifties, I think. He's in his fifties. He's got military experience. Uh, maybe he doesn't have foreign policy experience. Um, do you do a woman? Uh, do you do a Latino? I don't know. I think that you go with somebody that you can trust and that you think is going to do a great job. Right. Don't overthink it with identity politics. Exactly. See how I just mm-hmm. went down the identity politics lane right there. Because that's what they do. DeSantis is only 43 years old? I'm 43. Are you joking? No. Wow, I feel so old. Wow. I mean, I hope he doesn't listen to the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he's young enough to be a podcast listener. Well, hello, Governor, if you are listening. Okay, a couple more questions. Who would do better in jail for the night, you or Greg? Oh, me, for sure. (laughs) I mean, Greg would get, I can't say it on the podcast, but uh, he wouldn't do well. uh, He couldn't hang. He couldn't hang. He has massive anxiety. (laughs) He might have to be taken to the medical unit. (laughs) He wouldn't eat. Uh, he wouldn't do much. I'd have to protect him. And then I'd charge a protection fee. Yes. You'd be calm. You'd be calm. You're like, all right, I'll deal with this in the morning. I'd be cool. You'd be cool. I just wouldn't need anything. Um, somebody's asked, are you more shy in your private life? <laughs> more shy? You know, I think it might surprise people. Maybe it wouldn't. I'm not you know, necessarily the life of the party when I go places. I'm just kind of in the middle. Do I, why are you rolling your eyes? I'm not rolling my eyes. I'm thinking. I'm thinking back to places <laughs> I've been and... I don't know. I'm not someone that demands a lot of attention. Do, but, I just kind of go with the flow. Well, you don't demand it. It just happens. You think? Yeah. Okay. So you're going to be one of those guys having dinner parties and charming all of us. Uh, so we have a party coming up. We have Janine's I know. party at her house, and it's the entire five staff, all the producers. I'm bringing Jesse Jr. I'm bringing Emma. But you're not bringing Rookie? <laughs> Should I? She's All dogs are invited. Percy's coming. I'm bringing Rookie. Okay. I'm bringing Rookie and the baby and Emma, and uh, you can see if I'm shy or not. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm pretty sure you're not shy. Um, So you've got six months on your belt with the show, and is there a guest that you would love to have on? Well. Or a couple. Like, like, who's on your list? I'd like to have uh, Hulk Hogan, Mike Tyson, just some random people like that. that I I want Simone Biles. That's my top choice. It's Simone. Mm-hmm. You can have her. <laughs> okay, I'll take it. <laughs> no offense, Simone. But um, yeah, I'd like maybe some some rock stars from the 80s and 90s that I grew up admiring, not for any news value, Yeah, but just to be able to be like, yeah. O'Reilly hey. used to do that, right? Like yeah. he would have just human interest stories. He would. He'd have like Clint Eastwood on. Right. He had Ross from Friends on because he was promoting something with the children. So we had some wacky guys on. Oliver Stone. Dolly Parton. Bono. I remember when Bono came. P. Diddy. I don't remember when P. Diddy came. Yeah. We had some crazy people. Well, um, you have an inc- incredible show. It's a lot of fun. You, you could have a podcast, too, if you want. Uh, they're signaling, <laughs> come on over to the podcast. All right. When my back heals, we'll reconsider, reconsider it. You could do it standing up. Okay. All right. Thanks, Jesse. Thanks, Dana. Make sure you subscribe to this series wherever you download podcasts and leave a rating and review. I'm Dana Perino. Everything will be okay.
Fox News Rundown, a contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. Your daily dose of news twice a day. Featuring insight from top newsmakers, reporters, and Fox News contributors. Listen and subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to Fox News Podcast shows ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcast, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or follow wherever you get your podcasts.